0: The greatest sports talk radio show going today. That's right. Blow the whistle. With your host, Brandon
1: Stats The White Sox are all in. They need to at least make it to the American League Championship Series. And even that might not be enough.
0: Tyler Butterball, Pewterball.
2: Lonzo Ball, he's one heck of a playmaker. And he's going to set these guys up open. He's going to set up Levine, Now DeRozan, Vooch. He's going to be able to set these guys open. And last year, 37.8%
0: from three-point. That's pretty darn good. And David Double D Dykstra. Texas will be lucky to be 500. Oklahoma will be lucky to get out of there with no more than three losses. Like, they're, they're going into conferences where they're going to get slapped. Hit us up on social media, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Whistle one That's B-L-O-W-T-W-H-I-S-T-L-E-1. And now, here's Brandon, Tyler, and David. Goodbye,
2: goodbye. That's right, you're listening to Blow the Whistle. And as always, I'm Tyler Butterball along with... Brandon Januska. David Dykstra. And do we have a show for you guys today? Just a quick little shout out to all of our listeners to the Under the Hood podcast. Thank you for listening into our show. And we're pretty new to the Under the Hood podcast. And I don't think you guys will be disappointed. You don't think so, guys, right? Of course not. Of course not.
0: (laughs) What are you talking about? Why would you even put
2: that out into the world, man? Come on. I'm just saying. Jeez. (laughs) Well, we got a great show for you guys today. We're going to start off with some Bears talk, move on to college football, and then obviously go into the greatest segment of all time. You're killing me, Smalls. Then we're going to end off the first hour with Bulls. And then in the second hour, that's right, we have two hours, ladies and gentlemen. We are going to show you guys our interview we had with no one other than the voice of the Chicago Dog, Sam Brief. And then we're going to end off with some baseball to talk about the obvious Crosstown Classic. Talk about the White Sox on that side and talk about the Cubs. So, how you guys, you guys ready for this? Yeah, we got let's a lot go. planned. Let's go! All right, let's do this. So, first off, we're going to talk... Chicago Bears Chicago Bears won their last preseason game against the Titans 27 to 24 and Justin Fields had a pretty solid game as everyone saw his remarkable pass at the end of the first half going 7 for 10 54 yards and a touchdown not bad for his first time starting in a preseason game so a question i had to you gents and then our listeners the as well gents. <laughs> Now with seeing Justin Fields get some reps with some of the first team in the last preseason game, how much longer before he's the starting guy? Let us know on our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at T whistle one. That's B-L O W T W-H-I-S-T-L-E-1. What I think I give it I give it week four. I give it week four until Justin Fields starts because he's shown he's he's obviously growing that confidence. He's looking not like he's frantic around. He's he's running the offense pretty well, but he is still kind of running for his life with that offensive line. So it's just more, I mean, with that offensive line, I think Justin Fields will be more successful than Andy Dalton will be because Andy Dalton, he cannot scramble. That's for sure. And so I think it's going to take Nagy to realize that Andy Dalton, one, he's not mobile. Two, he's old. And he's,
0: <laughs> and he's not going to be able old to, by, well, old by NFL standards. Come on, yes. man. NFL standards. He's younger he's than old. I am. Yeah.
1: I mean, even that he's one of the younger quarterbacks. If you're talking veteran quarterbacks, he's only 33. You look at Brady Rogers. All uh, I around. got 10
0: years on Andy Dalton. <laughs> I feel so much younger than him. That's but, crazy. <laughs> But so, yeah, so that's what I'm wondering. It's like, when he's is it older
1: gonna- than
2: Fields. Said that, that's <laughs> for sure. If he's older than Fields, he's old. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so it's going to be... So when is it going to take for Nagy to realize that this guy can't be running for his life and he's not going to be able to run for his life all the time because he's not mobile. So to you guys, I'll start off with you, Brandon. I know you talked about it. You said by the bye week. Do you still believe bye week is when you will see... Justin Fields in that QB one spot.
1: I think by coming out of the bye at the latest at the absolute latest is when he comes in. If they are going to start him early week four makes probably the most sense because if you look at their schedule, that's a home game against Detroit. That's October 3rd. And if you want to start a rookie for the first time, you find that offensive line. Detroit's defense isn't a bad one to start him against compared to their first three games. You have against the Rams, you really don't want him. And Nagy's already announced he's not going to be there. But the Rams, arguably one of the best defensive lines in all of football right now, you don't necessarily want him getting pounded by Aaron Donald, Aaron Donald, right off the bat. And then they can't, they play Cincinnati, and then it's at Cleveland, which is another difficult task to just throw him in for his first ever NFL start or regular season start. So Detroit would make a lot of sense there in week four. And I think he'll be successful. He had good numbers in the, in the preseason. He ended 30 of 49, 276 passing yards 92 rushing yards, three touchdowns. That's good for a 96.98 passer rating. So he showed that he can go up against. I know he wasn't always against the starters of other teams, but he shows that he has what it takes to be successful at this level. So I think sooner than later, the bye at the absolute latest.
0: Ah. Y'all know my opinion. (laughs) Oh, I know. He should be starting week one. Should be. He should be. And and, and here's my thing I get they're going to be playing the Rams, I get that they're going to be playing the Browns. But how else do you learn how to uh, call plays on the fly, work on the fly, unless you are in that mix? going through your progressions against these top-flight defenses. Yeah, and if There's he,
1: if he does play against Detroit, uh, three weeks later, he will have to take on Tampa. So he will still have a top defense if that is his start.
2: That would be a great test for him oh, yeah. if he starts after uh, week four.
0: But once again, who's to say, and, and I, I'm going to put this out there right now, I do not wish any ill will on Andy Dalton. No. But who's to say he gets out of game one? Because we've all talked about it. We all saw last year that hit he took to the head that gave him that severe concussion. And anyone who's had a severe concussion knows you are prone to get concussions a lot easier after getting a severe concussion like that. My whole thing is it takes one shot from, and and I don't even think it's going to be Aaron Donald that does it to him. You know who I think it's going to be? Leonard Floyd? You darn right. (laughs) I would have been surprised. Leonard Leonard Floyd is going to come into that game going, watch what I could have done for your defense, and he's going to make a lot of plays in that game. I can almost guarantee it. He
1: did last year. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So I would not be surprised if Andy Dalton doesn't even make it out of the first game. Now, the interesting call there would be, is it Fields? Or is it Foles game one? That's always
2: what I've been wondering too. And I don't know. I mean, I feel like at that moment, I think right now, Fields is still quarterback too. And I think that if that happens, let's say Dalton gets hurt because, and like how you said about with his brutal hit that he had with the Cowboys, the Cowboys had a better offensive line than the, the Bears Cowboys right
0: offensive now. line has been top tier for Absolutely. 10 years. So what, like, who's not to say that
2: the chances of any Dalton getting hurt are Pretty high, I would say. But I think that would be, like, because I like how you said, just how is he going to get that experience of getting, like, put in there? That could be, that could go off two different ways. Fields getting last minute just thrown in there, like when, if Andy Dalton goes down. He could be nervous, or it could he could be, like, kind of like, that's just the way how you got to learn. Just get thrown in there, and then just on the fly, and then see from what Fields can do.
0: Off of that. Well, my whole thing is, Bears fans have to prepare themselves. It, it, it's it's not going to be, oh, Justin Fields is in, oh, oh, oh. there are going <laughs> to be moments like that. Preseason game uh, Saturday, case in point, he scrambles to the right and throws across his body into a dime. Into a, th- There was no other place he could have thrown that ball, and it gets caught for a touchdown. There's no other quarterback on that roster that can make that throw.
2: No, absolutely He
0: he has proven that he's got talent above and beyond what anybody else on that team has as far as scrambling and throwing across his body and doing those things. That being said, Bears fans have to be ready for him to make those rookie mistakes and be okay with it for the first year. And, and, and be able to deal with it and be like, oh, and, and just don't jump off the ledge if he has a bad game and go, oh, he's exactly, he's a bust. Here we go again, blah, blah, blah. No, he he's going to have growing pains. Every rookie quarterback does. Peyton Manning, for goodness sakes, had probably one of the worst rookie quarterback years of all time and then came back and brought his team to the playoffs the next season. So, Bears fans need to be patient if Justin Fields does get that call, though. And you brought up Nick Foles, which I
2: have another question to you guys and the listeners. With Nick Foles' performance that he had on Saturday, does that help the Bears' case in trading him? Give us your thoughts on our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Whistle one that's B-L-O-W-T-W-H-I-S-T-L-E-1. And what I'm going to say real quick is... Foles looked pretty decent in that second half. Granted, it was against the third and fourth stringers, but 10 for 13, 142 yards, two touchdowns. It, I it,
0: that, it Could not hurt. I, yeah. It, no. that's, that it, that's just exact, raises his value. It could yeah. not have hurt anything, him having that performance. No. That There's got to be some. The the one that kind of. Ju- and it'd be hilarious if it actually happened. But with, with the Jaguars making the move that they did, trading Minsu. I don't know if they have a legitimate backup at this point. I don't so, think they do. would it be I, funny and hilarious if Nick Foles went goes back, back to, to Jacksonville?
2: Jacksonville? That would be kind of funny. He'd be in the same position trying to get a position, like, get a, even though it's, it's already not going to happen no, with Trevor Lawrence. He's there. already considered the starter.
1: C.J. Beathard is currently their like number two. Like I said, two. Nick
0: Foles. <laughs> C.J.
1: Beathard
2: is their number but two right now. The Colts are still in. They don't know when uh, – I've heard everything
0: out. from week one to like week four.
1: Yeah. Although Wentz is now currently in COVID protocol. So that kind of delays his comeback. And they
0: just recently uh, had a quarterback injury. So they're riding
2: with their third stringer right now. Are, are we not all in COVID? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's true. <laughs> so, I mean, that could be an interesting thing yeah, it, to think it's about. It's going to be
0: interesting to see how that plays out. And, and you know, there are worse things in the world than having three legitimate quarterbacks in your in your roster either. So, if they hold on to him, they hold on to him. Yeah, definitely. Well, yeah. oh no, go ahead.
1: No, I was just gonna say because also, if Dalton were to get hurt, Nick Foles isn't a bad guy to have around to help teach Justin Fields if true. that were that to happen. True.
0: That is,
2: that's a good point, Brandon. I think just the biggest thing is the that contract. <laughs> yeah, that yeah, ugly contract. It'd be better to move him if they can. Definitely. Well, Scott Frost loses season opener against the Fighting Illini in Saturday's matchup. Stick around for our takes on this game here on Blow the Whistle. Receivers into the near side for Martinez
0: who is getting swallowed up. He loses the football. Scoop and sprint. There goes Kelvin Hart. Touchdown, Illinois. Martinez directing traffic. He'll float it up there. Oliver Martin. That ball is broken up and that will do it. Illinois is going to beat. Nebraska
2: in Brett Bielema's debut. Courtesy of Fox College Football on those wonderful highlights. That's right, the Fighting Illini beat the Nebraska Cornhuskers thirty to twenty-two in the season opener. And a question I had for you guys and our listeners: How has Frost not turned this football program around? And is his job on the line coming this season? Let us know on our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Blow T Whistle One. That's B L O W T W H I S T L E One. So honestly, I don't even know how Frost has not turned this program around because, as we've known, he's had some he's had great success with University of Central Florida. He had that perfect season and won the Peach Bowl with them. And then he came in. This is his fourth season with the corn huskers and it hasn't gone any better so i think it was just because there's a lot of hype about him so i want to know what you guys think do you see scott frost changing this program around
1: well he's 12 and 20 in his three years with nebraska so i guess now 12 and 21 with the loss to illinois to start off the season they have only had one winning season in the last six years Nebraska has, so if if they don't turn it around quickly, I don't think he makes it out of this season. He's on the hot seat,
2: for sure. Absolutely.
0: For sure, and, and part of the problem is he's sticking with a quarterback who does not deserve to be the starting quarterback of the Nebraska Cornhuskers. It is beyond me why <laughs> Martinez... Keeps getting the nod over, and this is the exact reason why McCaffrey last, or entered the transfer portable after last season, is because I'm sure he and Scott Frost had a conversation going, well, I'm going to stick with Martinez, blah, blah, blah. No. You saw the difference last year. Yes, McCaffrey was going to have growing pains. He was a true freshman quarterback. He's going to have growing pains. He's going to make freshman mistakes or a.k.a. rookie mistakes. But the more he got in there, he looked absolutely lights out against Penn State last year. That that offense looked completely different last year with him behind the the center compared to Martinez.
2: Yeah, I from last year, I did remember seeing McCaffrey and I was a little back and forth with him, but like you said, he was a freshman. Let the kid grow. You that's the thing that kind of throws me off that this that Scott Frost kinda not pushed McCaffrey, but he didn't like give him a reason to stay. Exactly. And that's why he went to the transfer portal. And you brought about uh Adrian Martinez. Two hundred and fifty two passing yards, a touchdown. And this is the thing that should not happen because with how Nebraska football's been, it's they've been a running offense and they've been having solid running backs. Your quarterback that ran for 111
0: yards should not be the leading rusher on that. I mean, granted, one of those was a 75 yard scamper for a touchdown, which was quite impressive. I mean, but at the same time, you do have a freshman running back, a true freshman running back, who it was his first live game in college looked looked a little nervous in the beginning and, and probably wasn't hitting the holes as hard as he should have been but that just leads to one of the <laughs> one of the bigger stories in Illinois right now uh with Brett Bielema making his debut as Illinois head coach and actually winning a Big 10 the first Big 10 game of the season for the first time since 2015 like that's huge it's huge but for all you Illinois fans out there do not get your hopes up <laughs> i'm telling you this right now you are not going to Get over the Mason-Dixon line, playing offense the way Brett Bielema wants to play offense, running straight up the middle, running, you know, all these run plays. It's it's a run-first offense for Illinois, and uh, it just doesn't work in today's college football. And then in the first quarter, you lose your starting quarterback to an absolutely atrocious shoulder injury, which uh, watching it back, the poor guy landed straight on his shoulder, and it was nobody's fault. It was a a great tackle. It was just one of those things, but he landed straight on his shoulder.
2: Yeah, I saw that, and it was pretty, it was a bad injury. I haven't heard anything left of how Brandon Peters is doing, but Sitkowski, the, the guy that stepped up, had he a, he I, did it solid get 12 for 15 124 yards two touchdowns.
0: I very conservative but once again it comes with that run first mentality of we're going to beat you up for the first half and hopefully by the thir- the second half your your defensive line and linebackers are going to be tired because we've just been wearing on them wearing on them wearing on them. And that offense that offense right there is meant to to win games that you lead. If you're in the lead and you can do that, it'll work. But you go against teams like Ohio State, uh, Michigan, Penn State, all these up-tempo RPO kind of teams that are throwing and running for chunks you're never going to to win come you're never gonna have a comeback win with that kind of offense and that's
2: just not how just college football is in general. there's always basically each any team that's successful, they all have a solid quarterback that can throw uh, down the field and that's how they march down with this kind of offense. You don't really see uh, a power running team in college football. And I feel like that could be—I mean, that could be probably why Nebraska hasn't been that great lately. Is because back in the day, that's how it was. They always had a power running offense, but it's just not how it is anymore. These
0: no, days. but also here, here's the other thing that you've got to think about when it comes to all these Big Ten, Big Ten when Brett Bielema was the head coach of Wisconsin, completely different than Big Ten Today. 2021. Back then, you could, well, and it didn't hurt that you had, when you were there at Wisconsin, you had running backs like Ron Dane. (laughs) Like, just 250 pounds of pure, just animalistic (laughs) meat coming at your head. But, once again, he took that down to the SEC and at Arkansas, and it did not go over well at all, because you just can't, play college football like that anymore you don't see it at all anymore in college football
1: yeah and even though illinois did manage to win this game it was mostly because of Nebraska's mistakes that they were yeah, able to exactly. do it. Because, mm-hmm. yes, that defense played great, but like you said, the offense didn't really step it up. The defense scored a touchdown on that fumble. They set up the safety, or got the safety, after that botched punt. So it was the defense creating the offense.
0: I, I completely agree. That that was a win because of errors, more than a win because we're the better team. Yeah. No, I, I agree that with a hundred percent. Because yeah, like you said, Brandon, the offense was
2: missing easy, wide open opportunities, and Nebraska's defense. I mean, even though we're Illinois' defense, like you said, with the running that tired out Nebraska. Yeah, it, we it, were they, talking. They looked good. They in the looked first half. really
0: good in the first half, and then yeah, it was the it was the beat down mentality, but. It ain't gonna happen with any other team. I'm I'm telling you right now, I'm so ready for this next weekend. Are you ready for this next weekend? I'm ready. Oh, it truly does. And, And the reason is they call this week this past week week zero in college football. So now we're coming into week one, and the big game of the Big Ten slate this weekend is Penn State, Wisconsin in Camp Randall. And I am nervous. I will freely admit I am nervous for Penn State. Uh, anybody who knows me knows that I am a Penn State freak. Um, but this is as deep as of a of a talent pool that I've seen Penn State have on the offensive side. It's truly going to come down to the play of Sean Clifford, their starting quarterback. And to see how well he does this year, it's all going to hinge on him because guess what? The one place on Penn State's offense where they are shallow is the quarterback position. At Penn State? Yep. And Wisconsin is going to come in again. It's at Camp Randall, so Wisconsin's got that home field advantage, and it is a home field advantage when you are at Camp Randall uh, come End of third quarter, going into the fourth quarter, jump around plays from House of Pain. That place gets rocking, and it's it's going to be a tough test for Penn State to win that game. I we've talked about it. I've said the first three games. If Penn State can come out of those first three games, two and one, I will be happy. If they can come out three and zero. Oh, it's on ladies and gentlemen it is on it sets up it sets up a destination game between them and ohio state in ohio state later on in the season
2: that's going to be a fun game as well but like you said that wisconsin stadium it is it's very tough to be the away team at that stadium because like oh, very you said, much they so. get loud and, and let's not and get it it's insane.
0: let's not get it twisted i am no, by no means saying or demeaning the talent that wisconsin has always has a solid solid defense, and their quarterback this year is amazing. He was amazing last year. They are a very, very good team. They are very solid. It's going to be a great football game to watch. I will guarantee you that from both sides of the spectrum.
2: Yeah. That's the game I'm going to be watching this weekend. And Brand- then of course,
1: on Friday as well, the Northwestern game as they kick off their season hosting Michigan
0: State. Northwestern Michigan State. You also have Ohio State going to Minnesota.
1: Yes, that's not, Thursday.
0: Not necessarily an easy game for Ohio State to start off with. So there could be, there could be some uh, some upsets here and there that people honestly weren't seeing coming because Ohio State has a huge hole at quarterback that no one really knows because the quarterback's going to get his first start. Absolutely.
2: Well, by now. You should all know what the time of the hour is. That's right. It is half past. You're killing me, Smalls. (laughs) This is where we get to rant about anything sports that has happened over the week, and we love it when you guys give us a you're killing me, Smalls, which you can send in on our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at whistle one That's B-L-O-W-T-W-H-I-S-T-L-E-1. Come join in on the chaos with us. But before that, let's give it to David with a sports update. That's right. It is time for the greatest segment ever. You're Killing Me Smalls. Woohoo! With your favorite guys Tyler Buterball, Brandon Januska, David Dykstra. And David, I'm going to bring this off to you first because I believe you have a fan.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we have our numero uno fan, KB Mac Radio, hitting us up again with his You're Killing Me Smalls. Uh, It's been seven days since my last you're killing me. I feel like we're like. <laughs> what? <laughs> I feel Indian like we're. Rehab or something? Yeah, it's been seven days since I have a last. <laughs> no, a confessional. Uh, yeah. Confessional. So, yeah. Don't go bad with it. <laughs> confessional, man. <laughs> it's been seven days since my last year killing me. Smiles. Andy Dalton is still Bears QB1. The meter is running. Justin is clearly ready to be out there and the best option with that O-line for success. Until that right move is made, Matt Nagy once again. So, you got one from KB. Matt, you just want me to keep going, man? Yeah, just keep going. Just, you just want me to keep going?
2: Because I remember you told me you, might, you do have a couple.
0: I do have a couple. Yeah, go for it. I do have a couple. Um, my first, you're killing me, Smalls. Goes out to Das Wunderkin boxer Jake Paul. <laughs> All right, bro. First off, stop bragging. Just, just stop bragging about how good you are, how how great you are. Um, you, you're you're not good. I I, I watched the first two rounds of the fight, and whatever kind of punch you're trying to... The best way for me to describe it is a windmill punch. Like, he comes up over the top and tries to slug somebody down in the back of his head or something. It doesn't look professional. It doesn't look good. And you're you're beating guys who, one, probably haven't trained in boxing, or two, are former MMA guys who are... Better grapplers than they are boxers. Now Tyron Woodley, happy to be a decent boxer, almost ended up beating you. But hey, Jake Paul, the Blow the Whistle boys got a challenge for you. Kendall Gill's been coming after you, Jake Paul. We want to see it happen. So we're going to start hashtagging this as much as possible. And we want to see it happen. We want to see Kendall Gill put you to the mat. For all his NBA boys and all us guys that love and support Kendall and what he wants to do. But until that happens, until you quit ducking our boy Kendall Gill, I got one thing to say to you there, Mr. Jake Paul.
3: Killing me, small. I love
0: to see that. All right. And here's my other You're Killing Me Smalls it goes out to the baddest. Little league pitcher I have ever seen In my life And that's a long life (laughs) Gavin Weir is a Stud You put him in a side by side With Chris Sale It is the same freaking pitching motion Now just to tell you A little bit about this kid And his stats Through districts States the regional tournament and the Little League World Series. He had set 37 and two-thirds innings pitched, 526 pitches. You want to guess how many hits he gave up? One. Yeah. He gave up one hit. No earned runs and a hundred strikeouts in those performances. Unreal. That's mind-boggling. I mean, it was so good, Brandon was even impressed.
1: And it <laughs> takes a lot. He gave up a hit. He, he gave, gave up a
0: hit. <laughs> he gave up a You're so mean.
2: So mean. You know how good that one kid that got that oh, hit off him was? Yeah, I'm yeah. tweeting yeah. out,
0: I <laughs> hit Gavin. Yeah, if I have the video I, that, that's posted <laughs> everywhere. I, that's the one hit, guys. That's, that's the one ESPN hit. ESPN Top 10. Right yeah. there. Yeah, seriously. But for those... And this is more of a lifting up. You're killing me, Smalls, for those accolades, for being probably the greatest little league pitcher I've ever seen. No, I'll say it. He is the greatest little league pitcher I've ever seen, and probably will go down as probably top little league players of all time. Gavin Weir, I'm giving you a big old. Now, Brandon. All right. I am going after the whole
1: situation surrounding the New York Mets right now. If you guys oh, haven't I heard about all of this. I want to hear about, about this. this hear about yes. Yes. Yeah. So Javi Baez, yeah, those of you around Chicago probably have heard the name Javier Baez before. Who is
0: this Javier yeah, Baez? Javier? Has, has anyone
1: ever heard of him, Almago? Yeah. <laughs> well, he's uh, creating quite a stir up there in In the Big Apple. The thumbs down thing? The thumbs down thing. (laughs) That's right. I want to know about this. So, the Mets are not playing very well right now. Javi Baez has not been good since the trade, batting just two ten in 17 games with the Mets since the trade. Fans have been booing him lately. Fans have been booing the Mets a lot lately. And so, Baez decided, if you guys are going to boo us, every time we have success... We're going to boo you. So anytime the Mets get a hit, they do a thumbs down gesture out to the fans. So (laughs) Baez did it. And in yesterday's game, Francisco Lindor and Kevin Pillar both got in on the action, throwing the thumbs down side during the Mets win on Sunday. So yesterday. And asked about the game. Baez just said, it's the booze. We're not machines. Like, We're going to fail seven out of ten times. A 300 average is good. But, yeah, so the Mets are starting to boo their fans. Oh, my
0: God. Okay. That is amazing. There's only one thing. Okay, first off, Javier Baez. uh, uh, Javier, I I don't know, like, how to express this from from a Philly kid. Bravo, sir. (laughs) Bravo. Absolutely. Anyone who can boo the New York fans, I love you. You're the greatest thing since sliced bread. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) Although it is creating some...
0: Some problems,
1: obviously, as Mets team president, Sandy Alderson, has come out saying it is totally unacceptable and those players will be dealt
0: with. So we'll see
1: exactly what happens. They said they'll handle it in-house. Lord forbid.
0: Lord forbid people have fun. Yeah. Yeah, right. It'll
1: be handled in-house. But yeah, just this entire situation surrounding the Mets. So Mets fans, you're booing your team. I don't know. Are you guys booers? Like, I... I've
2: never really won to boo. Uh, I never boo for my own team. Yeah. I,
0: that, I will say this much. I will say this much. Uh, I, I can honestly admit that, and this might just be a Philly thing. <laughs> 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 if I had been at Wrigley State, Wrigley Field with, uh, with Arietta pitching, it, you, this, you I, booed, Jake? I probably would have, especially the last couple of outings. Yeah, I probably would Or Maybe not booed, but I probably would have been like, get that bum off the field I, kind of okay. thing. Yeah. I, I'm not a big booer, per yeah. se, but I yeah. will talk smack.
1: Okay. I
2: I, I could I could do that, too.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with that. I Yeah, booing's just never really been my thing. It's like so, so 1920. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Boo. Yeah. Boo. So, Boo. I mean, but to all the Mets fans out there booing your own team and then... Now, just the, the whole situation oh, surrounding so the I Mets is just creating it. <laughs> so many problems as the Phillies and Braves just start to run away with the division. So, to the situation surrounding the Mets, I say to you,
2: Killing me, that me, That is amazing. That is great. All right. Go Lu- for it. Lu- Lu- it's my turn. So, Scott Frost. <laughs> <laughs> Here it comes. Come to – you came to Nebraska – Back in 2018, after coming off a heck of a year in 2017 with UCF, 13 and 0, and winning the Peach Bowl, hands down to you. So, once I heard that you were coming to Nebraska, I was so excited. I was like, "Oh wow, he's going to turn this program around and everything." Well, let's see. Let's see your progress, Scott Frost. <laughs> Four and eight, first season. Can't expect nothing for your first season. Okay. Five and seven seconds. Okay, you got a little bit of a game. Uh you got you, improvement. Three and five. You went back down. And then you go 0 and one beginning this season. Scott Frost, when are you going to get your head out of your butt and <laughs> turn this <laughs> turn this program around? Because Nebraska has had history with very good teams, and you're kind of ruining at that point, and you're sitting in the hot seat. I don't even know what to say no more because the music is (laughs) (laughs) off.
0: Keep it going, man. Get a little
2: animated. And you were a former quarterback. You would think, you would think that for being a former quarterback, you played for Nebraska and you played in the NFL for a few years, you would be able to get the quarterback situation. Correct. No, you didn't. You kept the wrong quarterback. You should have kept McCaffrey. You kept Martinez and he's still not working out. So, I don't even know what more to say. We kind of said it in the, the college football <laughs> segment. So Scott Frost for just not being able to turn this program around while having solid players. I give you a big fat
0: Killing me, Small. Listen, here's my thing. Like, you're supposed to come in and change the culture. Change that culture. And he hasn't done it yet. He hasn't done it. I don't feel like the guys that are underneath him as far as players have that winning belief. You keep hearing it. You keep hearing it. They, You could tell like that last year he was with UCF. Those guys thought no matter who they played, whether it was oh, yeah. Alabama, you know, LSU, whoever it was, they were going to beat them. Right. No doubt. You didn't see that yesterday. No, you, you didn't see that yesterday and you haven't seen it in the last three years and that might be the mystique of Nebraska right now until they get that that signature win, and then it could all change. You get that signature win against a big team, ooh, we can do it. Right. And, and that might be just the difference.
2: That's just exactly what he needs. Well, as we always have fun with this, has to come to an end, unfortunately. But the Bulls have traded away Lori Market and got some good value from him. We will give you the details on that trade here. I'm blow the whistle.
0: Here comes Marketing. Wow, Costa coast, to coast oh, Lowry Marketing. The big fella right there showing you some handles. Marketing oh, bang, again. Bang, bang. Second three for Lowry Marketing. Over to Marketing. That's a three and it's oh. good. Oh, give me the hot sauce Lowry. Big three.
2: Courtesy to NBC Sports, NBC Sports Chicago on those great highlights. And that is right. The Chicago Bulls have traded Laurie marketing in a three-way team sign-and-trade agreement to the Cavaliers and the Portland Trailblazers. So in that trade, marketing gets sent to the Cavaliers. Larry Nance Jr. gets sent to the Trailblazers. And the Bulls received Derrick Jones Jr. in a lottery-protected 2022 first-round pick and a second-round pick, I believe. So my question to you guys and our listeners do you think the Bulls got more or less from the marketing trade? Give us your thoughts on our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Whistle one That's B-L-O-W-T-W-H-I-S-T-L-E-1. I personally think the Bulls got what they could have gotten for this trade.
0: I think they got, they got more. more. Oh, yeah. I think the Bulls did a fantastic job on this sign and trade. I would have expected... Maybe if they were lucky, a, a a a journeyman player, and maybe a second round draft pick, you got a protected first, which, with Damian Lillard on the Portland Trailblazers, like <laughs> they've got a good chance to make the playoffs every single season. Oh, so, definitely. uh, great job. Yeah, because it's one through fourteen. They they don't get that draft pick. Yeah, I have so it anything, right here. Anything it's, past fifteen, I mean, you're not going to get anything super special. No, fifteen or past, but you're still getting a first round draft pick, which you've given away seventeen of them now,
2: eh, something like that. <laughs> 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 but yeah, no, I think it was definitely a good trade because you got a solid player like Derek Jones Jr. Athletic. Very athletic. Athletic. He, he was a former dunk contest winner. And so, Brandon, like or David, like I said to you, this is gonna be Lob City in Chicago. It's gonna be exciting. You got you're gonna have Lonzo Ball thrown up to Levine and Jones Jr. Jones Jr. now.
0: Well, what I from the moves that have been made in this offseason, I see a very, very up tempo offense, which I mean, everybody loves Showtime anywhere they go. So if you've got Showtime in Chicago, ooh. That has a nice little ooh. ring. It. <laughs> trademark. Trademark that at Showtime in Chicago.
1: You're welcome, Bulls. Yes, you're welcome. You're welcome.
0: <laughs> but I, that's what I'm saying is pretty much young talent. Levine and DeRosa are probably the two more veteran and, and Vooch yeah, are 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 your three more veteran guys, and even Vooch and DeRosa aren't that veteran. No, they're really and not. If you really want to talk about it, neither is Levine. No, but those are your older guys on that team. <sighs> that that up tempo, and and it might be one of those things, just like just like in college football, where you run, 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 and then when third and fourth quarter comes around, and you have your leg's still under you because you're used to doing it in training camp and in practices where you're running and running and running and running. These other teams are going to be like, Keep breathe. Yeah. breathe?" Because
2: there's so much talent in so many different areas on this Bulls starting five, it's teams are going to have trouble with this team right they here. They could be, what well, well, we were talking the other day, they could be six deep at guard. Yeah. At guard. That's it's that's the crazy thing because you got Ball, Kobe White, which I don't know they might pl- throw him at the two, but that's still Ayo two guard, and uh, Dotson.
0: You got Caruso. Caruso, that, like I totally l- forgot about him. <laughs> I like that's there's five right there at the guard. Whether you want to play them one or two, like and that's putting AO in there. Not not saying whether or not he's going to start off in the G League or not, but that's you're at least four deep four to five deep at guard. When has the Chicago Bulls been ever been able to with talent?
2: No. The only one I can think of is with this is this is I'm throwing this one out there. Oh Derek Rose, Nate Robinson, and then uh John
0: Lucas the <laughs> but back then. That, I mean, but but once they're again, not as stacked as these guys. But once again, you're just talking about your, your point guards. Right. You're not talking about the shooting guards. Like, this is a one one thing that we talked about is you could have all those guys that you just mentioned pretty much play. I mean, Ball's going to be your point guard. Your starting yeah, he's point the guard. point guard. But any of those other guys could do one or two. Yeah. Any of them. Because so,
2: Caruso's initially a shooting guard, but he could play. he could come he up can with play the ball.
0: one. Yeah, he can. He, he he he's handled the ball for the and Lakers. I'm thinking, AO is a big, which I wouldn't surprise me having him in ball one two. So do you have
1: yeah. Io starting with the Bulls, or do you have him starting <sighs> in Windy City?
0: It, it's going to be a. T- it's it's honestly going to end up. I would say it's going to end up. Uh, what the head coach wants. Okay. If he yeah. wants to go guard heavy. Ao makes that team It makes it easily.
2: I would love it if he plays in the G League because we'll be <laughs> That's working true. on it. for yeah. yeah.
0: selfish reasons.
1: I O to right but up No, there. no, no. I would rather, up close. I'd rather see
2: him on the Chicago Bulls. It would be cool. <laughs> I mean, from what we've seen from him in the Summer League, he's
0: proved himself. He's not only a solid scorer, he's and playing his great defense. I hate the people that come on. It was just Summer League. He's playing against other guys that got drafted in this draft. He's playing against upper echelon guys that got drafted before him and has made some of them look really bad. And
2: a lot of them have have been in the league already in the NBA for a year or two. Second or third year. So, yeah, no. So, I mean, summer league does say a lot. Obviously not going up against the best of the best in the NBA, but. You gotta start off somewhere, and everyone's starting off that, that way.
0: But if you have him second or third off the bench and you have two really big because balls what six five, six seven somewhere in there? Six, like six five,
2: like six five, six six.
0: A AO's yeah. a- right there too. Yeah. Like those are two big point guards, and that becomes a matchup issue. And Billy Donovan loves matchup issues, <laughs> loves them. Yeah, Lonzo Ball
1: is six six. Yep. and okay. Io is six five.
2: Wow,
0: could you like two big point guards, twin tower point guards. <laughs> that, that would it would be ridiculous. But you know, That's another thing, this team is
2: very big too. Like we got big old Vooch in the center. They got Vooch in the center, and then they got the point guard. Like all those players are tall. Because I think Levine, how he's
0: he's about six six, isn't he? He's six five, six, six, somewhere in there. Yeah. But that th- this goes back to 6'6". Six, six. What we've been, <laughs> <laughs> Brandon. What we've been talking about <laughs> for how many years? I mean, we've been talking about, you know, the depth, the lack of depth, the lack of depth on any team. Depth seems to be a recurring role in Chicago right now, whether it be the Chicago Bears, who have probably the best wide receiver depth I've seen in the last 10 years on that team. Oh yeah. We're talking depth for the Chicago white Sox. We're talking depth now for the Chicago bulls. Like the talent that is in Chicago right now might be some of the best talent this town has ever seen. As far as a depth perspective goes. Definitely. And that's, That's scary because then that next man up mentality doesn't become such a huge fear anymore. No. And
2: that's what's so exciting about this team right now is that they have depth and it's not like just rely on the starters and hope and pray,
0: hope and pray your reserves have a good game and not like
2: do what Chicago Bulls are so known for is having your star player play like 40 minutes and tiring his butt out. But now that you got all these players together. They'll be able to even out the, the minutes. But boys. That wraps up our one. But it's not over. We have plenty more for hour two. Starting off we will present to you an interview we had with the voice of the Chicago Dogs. Sam Brief. And then end off the last half of the hour with baseball. The Crosstown Cats Classic. And a little bit of Cubs. So stay tuned. Welcome back to Blow the Whistle for Hour 2. Still here, Tyler Buterbaugh.
1: Brandon Januska.
0: David Dykstra. And we have... (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I don't know what that was. (laughs) I liked it. It was Uh, was, was different. little southern. I went on a little southern
2: with it. So, in this second hour, we have have a special treat for the first half hour. We're going to present to you guys an interview that... David and Brandon got a chance to go talk to the voice of the Chicago Dogs Sam Brief and then in the second half of this hour we're going to talk about the Crosstown Classic talk both White Sox side and the Cubs side. So, I'm going to hand it off to Brandon and just kind of give a little idea of this interview.
1: Yeah, um, unfortunately, one of us had to work, so uh, Tyler was not able to join us, but but we had a a great interview. It was a great time. We got to sit down with Sam Brief, the voice of the first place and playoff-bound Chicago Dogs. So that was a lot of fun, and I'm not going to spoil anything. Let's just go right into it. Here is our exclusive interview with the voice of the Dogs, (laughs) Sam Brief. (laughs) Welcome, everyone, here back to Blow the Whistle. I'm so Brandon Januska here with David Dykstra, and we have a special guest on here today. We have the voice of the Chicago dog, Sam Brief, with us in the booth. Sam, how are you doing here?
3: I'm honored to get the word special. I would have—that <laughs> was a great intro. I would have amended it and said— we have a guest on the show today, <laughs> Sam Brief, but no, really, thank you for uh, for welcoming me on. I mean, I work with both of you pretty much every day now, and we're here looking at beautiful impact field, and this, this is the office, right? It's great to be here with you two.
1: Yeah, and it's an honor to be able to see you work and everything. You are a great broadcaster. If you haven't heard him, definitely check him out, call him the Chicago Dogs. He also calls some Chicago State games as well. He had a great color commentator this past Chicago State soccer game. He was all right. He was all right. He didn't know it was myself. It was me,
0: Brandon Januska. Brandon Januska's over there breaking his arm, pat himself on the back. Yeah. yes, yes, yes. Oh,
3: oh, just an excellent color commentator. No, Thank really, that, that, was, that was awesome balling out with you. And what
1: a, what a game, too. It was. Two to one on
3: a PK. Go Cougars.
1: Yes, go Cougars. A great game. Great win against Northwestern. Speaking of Northwestern. That's your alma mater. So you went there for journalism. Can you just tell us what got you motivated into broadcasting? Did you know when you started at Northwestern that, like, play-by-play was what you wanted to where you wanted to end up?
3: Yeah, no doubt. It, it, my my start really was in high school. By the time I got to Northwestern, I was laser focused on it. Um, it. It isn't as much one of those where it's like, hey, I I was a really big sports fan and I realized I wasn't going to be an NBA player, so I decided, (laughs) oh, why not be a broadcaster? Like, I really was dead set on it for a long time. I mean, going back to, like, fifth grade, I'd be in the basement playing Madden by myself and going, all right, here's the handoff, right side, Matt Forte, you know, has daylight, there's a touchdown, right? So I would kind of do that and... In my head, do it, shooting hoops in the yard. So, um. Broadcasting, of course, I was also a crappy athlete and had to give up on that <laughs> at some point. But, but broadcasting was always something I, I really loved doing. In high school was where I tried a bunch of different things. You know, I did writing, I did production, I did a, a show I hosted called the HP Sports Brief, pun very much intended, <laughs> and uh, play by play. All of those were great and still are great. I do podcasting and hosting and writing a ton, but. Those are all fulfilling for me, and broadcasting live sports is nirvana, like euphoria, drug-like high. I I don't need to do drugs because of that. So uh, that really is where uh, it it became my joy was high school. So then to answer your question for real, by the time I got to Northwestern, yeah, I showed up as a freshman like, all right, how can I call a, a football game
1: ASAP? Okay, yeah. I mean, that's kind of where we're at right now, too, or at least myself, for sure. I definitely want to end up doing play-by-play, definitely want to get into the sports broadcasting side. So that's good. Just stay laser-focused, and eventually maybe I'll be sitting in your chair as well.
3: Laser, Uh, laser. laser laser-focused.
1: I think, and I've really,
3: uh, even when I started here, I don't think I was as laser-focused as I can be. And I still can hone my focus. I mean, it's something I think I've learned is, and I read a great book that's geared more towards athletes. It's by Tim Grover, who was Michael Jordan's trainer, Kobe Bryant, Dwayne Wade. I mean, really, these elite basketball players. And part of his thing is, like, you think you're focused on being great? Well, you can double that, right? And I've kind of realized that in the last few years. So, um It's a lifelong process, really.
1: Yeah, and it's a big mindset thing as well, which kind of brings me into your podcast, The Mental Game. So you do a podcast that, correct me if I'm wrong, you focus on just the mental side of sports, like what's going through the heads of athletes, broadcasters, coaches, everyone that has to do with sports. What motivated you to look more into the mental side of the game?
3: It actually started here with the dogs last season, which was a tough year, right? I mean... This season has been so fun. Last season it was okay, but it was tough in the height of the pandemic and you know, being secluded, I wasn't allowed in the clubhouse at all. I didn't travel. The players were under a lot of stress, and I had some really illuminating conversations with a lot of the guys who were very stressed about it. One player in particular who had a pregnant wife and two kids at home, and he was worried about bringing the virus back from the ballpark, and he wasn't pitching well as a result. A guy who was a stud for us the year before suddenly looked like a shell of himself, and I knew that what was behind that because I had talked to him, it wasn't something with his arm. It wasn't a mechanical adjustment. It wasn't that hitters learned his fastball. It was that something was happening between the ears. At the same time, I went through a mental health journey of my own the last year and a half or so. So all these forces kind of combined, and I thought, well... This is sort of an undercovered topic, and this was before it has since kind of exploded, right, with uh, Naomi Osaka and Simone Biles bringing it even more into the limelight. So I really wanted to do something to cover these stories and interviewing athletes about their – Sometimes mental struggles, sometimes how they find peak mental performance, interviewing sports psychologists and therapists and mental performance coaches has been so interesting. And like I've learned a ton because broadcasting, you can treat like a sport, right? I've got to be just as focused when I'm on the air as the pitcher has to be. I mean, he can't be thinking about what, you know, the fight he got in with his wife two hours before first pitch when he's got to make the big 3-2 pitch with the bases loaded, just like I can't think about some stress I've got going on in my life when I'm delivering a call of a baseball game. That's just not how our minds work. So I find it fascinating to use sports as a metaphor for life, and uh, I'm trying to turn the podcast, too, into a little little bit of advocacy, too, for athletes and how we seem to have this double standard with people like – Simone Biles for example where we expect them to be so mentally perfect right well she's not neither am i neither are you guys probably so uh it's it's something that i've really enjoyed doing it's my passion project i really i could probably talk for 30 more minutes about it honestly
0: that's that's actually very very interesting because that that hits all very much home to me being a guy who deals with bipolar depression on a daily basis. And I always say you deal with the struggle. You don't let the struggle deal with you is kind of my mantra to get through every single day. No matter what's going on in your life, you can always find a positive somewhere when, when all the negative is going on. So I try to keep that mentality every single day. And it's amazing to hear you putting it out there for other people to hear. I, condone that i endorse it full full force and for me it was it was enlightening to see people like simone biles and osaka to come out and say these are the things that we deal with on a daily basis and we need those breaks
3: we really do because those are the people we look after and and look at all the movements that have happened with sports playing a starring role. I mean, sports helped propel the civil rights movement forward. Sports has helped with, I, I, I know firsthand people who have come out as gay and been, you know, emboldened by some of the star athletes coming out as gay. And I think to have someone like Naomi Osaka and Simone Biles say that they struggle, I, I struggle a lot with anxiety and i feel comfortable going out and saying that and i think that is becoming less and less taboo and to have athletes come out and and make those declarations is a huge thing for a lot of people who struggle yes. so that, that that's what i try to do with the podcast is is use my skills as a as a creator as an interviewer to, to Put something out there to help, and the fact that it could help even one person listen to an athlete sit down and say, yeah, I deal with depression, and this is what I do to still perform, and uh, if I can have an impact on one listener, great. Job well done.
1: And if our listeners do want to listen in to Mm -hmm. the Mental Game podcast, where should they go? Where can they find your podcast? Yeah, go on Apple
3: or Spotify podcast, just search The Mental Game. You could search my name, Sam Brief. You can follow me on Twitter, at Sam Brief. I've got the link right in my bio. I make it very easy to find. Because I want it to be easy to listen to. That's good. That's, good.
1: that's, that's how it should be. We yes, should not exactly. be having to search, search everywhere and try to find it. So, again, check it out, the Mental Game Podcast with the one and only Sam Brief. A lot of There's good actually stuff. two. Oh, are there, there two? There are two Sam Briefs. There's oh. another
3: dude on Facebook that I'm not related to. And I actually Facebook messaged him like six years ago. And he never responded. And my message was something like, hey – I'm Sam Brief, too. Like, what's your deal? And he never he never answered me, so I guess we're not relatives. Do you know oh, where or.
0: he is? Did I think Pennsylvania, okay. which is where David's from. I mean, <laughs> a East Coast mentality of, I don't know this person. I'm not real Yeah, him. I don't know. He just blew me up. I mean, if someone messaged me and was like, hey, I'm
3: Sam Brief, I'd be like,
1: holy yeah,
3: whatever. And then they make <laughs> anyway. it onto the next broadcast. So that was right? uh, my yeah. point was to say I'm <laughs> technically not the one not, and only. not the
1: only one. No. Not the one and no. only.
3: Alright,
1: but he is the only one in this booth. He is <laughs> that's the that's one right. Only. right. As right.
3: far as I know. <laughs> the
1: host of the mental game podcast, Sam Breathe. <laughs> well, how much preparation do you typically do? Because obviously that's part of the mental aspect as well, is just getting prepared for each broadcast. Mm-hmm. On average, how long do you say you spend prepping for each game or do you do it with the dogs? By series? Yeah. Start yeah, with the so dogs. And
3: it's, this is great timing to ask me this because I had a really interesting conversation about prep with someone two days ago and I used to really take pride in it. And I would go and I'd say, I'm the most prepared broadcaster in the world. I'm the most prepared broadcaster. I'm the most prepared broadcaster. And I would spend, Spend hours and hours. And if a friend asked me, hey, Sam, you want to go out for dinner? And I had a game the next day. I'd say, no, I can't. I'd treat it like studying for a big test. And I would come in with mountains, packets, and binders, and folders, and envelopes, and stamps, of all, you know, all this stuff. I'm the most prepared broadcaster. But then I, I kind of realized, why am, I, why am I trying to be the most prepared broadcaster? I want to be the best broadcaster. The best, not the most prepared, the best. Yes, those affect each other, but there's a balance. And I think especially in a sport like baseball where things change like that. You know, you might have a starting pitcher that gets hurt in the top of the first inning. All right, throw your prep down the toilet.
0: Flush it and learn about the next guy, right? So, Or you have somebody try to run off the field and roll their ankle on a baseball. Oh, yeah. So much (laughs) can happen.
3: And you have to react to what's happening. And I would actually find that I'd be so knee-deep in my preparation that when working with a color guy or woman, I would not be listening to them because I'd be thinking in my head about the next nugget or stat or bio piece that I wanted to mention. That's not how to do it. It's got to be a conversation. And I hate listening back to a game and the the analyst says something and I just kind of disregard it. It's got to be fluid. So this is all to say, I think I did more last year and the year before that than I do now. That being said, there's a baseline that I hold myself to. Um, baseball season's different because I do 100 games and... You know, I didn't sit down and do prep work, studying up on the dogs' players today because I know these guys. It's ninety games in. I wrote their bios. I know their histories. I spend, you know, every waking moment with them on the road. I know them. Um, but there is a baseline. I'd say, you know, at least, you know, if I were to average it out, it's at least a couple hours per series, right? And, and um, But I try to live the preparation process. I try to prepare as much by having the genuine conversations with them as I do by just reading nuggets of information online. So I try to treat the prep work here as a holistic process, but also sometimes less is more. And sometimes the less I do, the more I'm watching and reacting to the game and reacting to the people around me.
0: Yeah, that's- I, I, I I completely can understand that. Uh, I like the baseline that you should have, but I'm more of a reactionary guy mm-hmm. myself. It's why I love 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 working beside my man Brandon when we're in this booth together because he's a little more prepared than I am on on most things, and I'm a little more reactionary mm-hmm. and, and yin it, and yang. It, yeah, yeah. Yep. and it's it's great, and that's what's made. I, I, I want to say not just us together in this booth, but just our show blew the whistle so amazing is we've got three guys that fricking frack very well together and we have a great time doing it
3: you guys do do a great job. You're, you're already, I mean, I can tell your reactionary nature. It's improv in a way, uh, asking follow-up questions and, uh, there's a lot to learn. I know you guys both were musical theater people. Uh, I think there's a lot to learn from performance, from improv specifically, because we're improv, even if I'm calling the game by myself, like I'm improving with the game, right? I yeah. can't, I can't just be reading bios all day, right? That's that's a different job. So um, less is more sometimes, right? Less is more. We prepare by living and talking. Yeah, definitely. Because
1: I'm, I'm a real stat geek, especially. So it, yeah. it's finding that balance of, I mean, ev- anyone can look up all these stats yep. and things. So, yeah, it's giving a little personal touch to yep. it along with what's happening, along with the stats. So, yeah, that's really good advice and everything on the preparation. Don't do too much. Don't get too into the it's preparation. Not yeah. It's not a test. Not a exactly. test. Well, when we come back, we're going to continue the conversation with Sam, and we're going to talk about what it's like to be broadcasting for a first-place team. That's what's next here on Blow the Whistle.
3: Bringing you some dogs baseball,
1: and here's a drive deep into the corner.
3: Bob Voyage, Casey Hobson to school in Topeka, Kansas. Slasher deep left field, Anthony Greer, Bon Voyage.
0: High in the air
3: and deep to left field, and it's off the wall. Lidge is in. Here comes Greer for two. And now chug it around, Johnny Adams. <laughs>
1: Welcome back, everyone, to Blow the Whistle. We're still here with Sam Brief, the voice of the first-place Chicago Dogs, and I got to know Sam. What's it like to be broadcasting this team while they're on the verge of clinching their first-ever playoff berth? So I've thought a lot about what it feels like, and we've already
3: talked about the mental side of it. Like I, I think critically about how I feel. I probably am. You can tell I'm an overthinker. I think losing affects me less than most broadcasters. Like, I talk to a lot of fellow broadcasters and, like, they're de- their team loses and they're, like, crying and they're like, wow, we got to figure this out. I'm like, dude, chill. Like, <laughs> the manager and the players should be crying. Like, what – just have – don't you just want to have a good broadcast? So the losing doesn't affect me that much. That being said, winning makes everything better, and I freaking love this team. (laughs) I mean, these guys are awesome. So I root for them unabashedly because at this point, they're my friends. I mean, I spend a lot of time with them on the bus, grinding away in the hotels of – God knows where the hell we are, right? <laughs> so uh, I love these guys. Butch Hobson, I've been with now for three years. Uh, he and I have a, have a special bond, which is an unlikely bond for a 70-year-old native of Tuscaloosa, Alabama, who played and managed in the big leagues to be friends with a 20-something from Chicago who's kind of nerdy and can't hit a baseball even if it's <laughs> lobbed right up to him. So... I love Butch. I love this team, and and calling wins is really fun. And we're going to go to the playoffs at this point. It's like a 99.9% deal. And to call meaningful baseball, I mean, that's why we do it, right? I want to be on the call for a championship. So, yeah, go dogs.
1: Yeah, definitely. Go dogs! They're on the verge tonight. Tonight is not when this is going to be broadcast, but tonight is the the game where if they win, they if, if
3: we win, and also, and I, I know we're not live, but just for the for the listeners who who are listening after the fact, um, you know, we we win. And we're in. Also if Winnipeg loses, we're in, and as I look right now, Gary's up three to one on Winnipeg in the second inning. So actually before we talk tonight, it could be sealed. Who knows?
0: Yeah, you, we were we were actually throwing around ideas of, you know, maybe getting a camera into the clubhouse as they pop the, the corks on the sheet You know,
3: I wouldn't be so sure that they're gonna do a champagne deal for making the playoffs you, you because they're, they're I've asked Bush locked I Talked to him yesterday, I said, Butch, what would it mean to you to make the playoffs? And he sort of said, Meh. <laughs> I want to finish in first and I want to win a championship.
0: So they're gonna take that mentality of of Yeah of it's not it's done not yet. done yet. No. we have got more work to do. Yeah, I, like I mean they that.
3: might they're gonna certainly smile. They're not gonna <laughs> <laughs> you know, they're not gonna act like like someone died, but I think it's I I would not expect to see a single champagne bottle. I'm sure they'll crack open some Coors Light and, you know, have a toast to the playoffs, but I think that they're saving championship champagne.
0: And I will say one of my favorite stories from Sam is when he told me what Butch does when he gets ejected from a game. Yeah. Sam looked at me and he goes, I actually talked to Butch about that, what he does. He goes, I go into the clubhouse, crack me a Coors Light. And watch you, Sam, and listen to you. Yeah, so, uh, that's there's no bigger praise I would think than the manager coming to you and saying, "Hey, if I get ejected, I'm I'm still gonna watch the game and listen to you because that's how much I appreciate you."
3: It does mean a lot, and I I always now I know when Butch gets
1: ejected, I know he's watching.
3: So, <laughs> so I gotta watch. On. I gotta yeah. watch my mouth too. <laughs> 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 All
1: right, these notes I had about Butch Hobson, we're gonna scrap those because he's yep. now watching us. Oh yeah, that's right. Oh that's yeah. Right. So do you have any plans when they do, because we're going to say when, when they do clinch that first-place spot and go on a deep run, are you going to find your way down in the clubhouse and join them in this celebration? Definitely worthy of it.
3: If there's a celebration, I I would like to be there. Um, I feel very much like a part of the team. You know, when we're on the bus, it's the 25 players, Butch, Stu and JD, our assistant coaches, Tom, our athletic trainer, and me. And you better believe if we win a championship, I'm signing off and I'm running down to that clubhouse and <laughs> you know get me some champagne. So yeah, I'm, I'm I don't sure know if that... that'll be tonight, but we'll see. I'm sure that wireless camera won't be far behind
0: you. Yeah. Either. <laughs> oh, I'm
3: going I'm to sprint. I, I kind of, I've always wanted that feeling of getting soaked with champagne and then feeling sticky and hey, there's showers down there. Yeah. So I ought to bring my my shampoo with me.
1: (laughs) Yeah, there you go. So does this feel different? I know you weren't interacting with the players as much last year, but in 2019, you were able to kind of be around them a lot more. Does this just feel different this year with the playoff atmosphere?
3: Yeah, it's different. And the team is different because past teams I've been around, you'll go into the clubhouse when they lose in a blowout, and it's like no one talking. And – I, as the broadcaster, am like on the side, not saying a word, you know, don't want to make a noise. This year, eighth game of the season, we lost 17 to five. That sucks. 17 <laughs> to five. So I go down to the clubhouse, ready to not make a peep. And I bump into Harrison Smith. They're playing music down there. He goes, Oh, hey, Sammy, what's up? How's your call? I go, Well, uh, Like, it was okay. He's like, all right, you getting some tacos? They were eating the post-game food in the clubhouse. And I'm just looking around like, it's not like they were happy, but but they were just kind of hanging out. It didn't feel like a funeral. It felt like a neutral event. What's a neutral event? Like, I don't know, they were having lunch and – Couple guys were in a bad mood, maybe, right? So this team just like they get it; they're professionals. They know that in a 100 game season, you will lose a lot. I mean, this is a first place team, and they've lost 33 games this year. That you know, that's a decent amount of losing, right? You can't be like funeral atmosphere 33 times. That's freaking exhausting, right? right? So uh, this team is different. They're better on the field, but the vibes are different, right? It's good vibes. It's like positive vibes. No, it's not positive vibes only. It's like professional vibes only, and then you win a lot, and then it's mostly positive.
0: (laughs) I guess one of my big questions to you, Sam, would be who would you consider or who have you seen being in the clubhouse and being around the guys, who would you consider maybe the clubhouse leaders of this group? Because there's obviously – a standard that's been set, maybe by Butch, but also by those clubhouse leaders. Yeah,
3: Casey Hobson, who, of course, as his son, is an extension of Butch, along with Michael Krause, who's one of his baseball life friends. They go back uh, to their days in the Blue Jays system. And then Brendan Metzger, who riles up the fans and is also 31 years old, one of the veterans of this team, T.J. Bennett, as another veteran, I would say those guys mixed with uh, a Michael Bowden who helps guide this pitching staff and gives a lot of those young rookies like Shane Baringer and Kyle Murphy a, a piece of his mind. So it's really those guys who are the veterans uh, who guide this clubhouse. And uh, But really, like a lot of things, it starts from the top. It starts with Butch Hobson, and he really is a player's coach, not in that he lets them do, well, he does let them do, you know, he's not like a strict guy, but he's a player's coach in that he loves his players and he's open about it. And he tells them he loves them. And that's something he learned from Bear Bryant. Cause the dude was an Alabama quarterback for Bear Bryant. So he's learned from one of the best, maybe the best of all time. And that's where they, really where it starts.
0: Yeah. That's, that's I, I, it's good to hear that you know, you make assumptions watching the games and doing the play-by-play and doing the color, and, and it's good to know that my assumptions are, are mostly correct on yeah. who that leadership is. Yeah. Because you can tell the difference between a team who gets it and a team who doesn't get it. And the Chicago Dogs get it. Yeah. They, they, yeah. they understand they that they're never completely out of a game. They understand they're going to do everything that they can to get back into a game, that they, they lose... Uh, go down three nothing in or two nothing in the first inning.
3: Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine.
0: We're good. Yeah, we've got eight more innings, and you never see them give up. Yeah, they've got that attitude, and I really like it. Oh, it's amazing. I really like it. It's fun to watch. You say you say you try to keep yourself emotionally disconnected, or you feel like you're you're one of those guys that doesn't. Would that be different for you if you were calling Northwestern football? No, no you I feel called like Northwestern you football. Did call yeah, Northwestern. yeah, I called
3: it as a student, and um, we won some of the games I called, and we lost some of the games I called. But, like, I don't know, I, I, I just, I care more about putting on a good show than okay. I do about the result. Like, maybe, it, I think I've become a, maybe a little numb, I don't know, maybe, it, I don't know if that's the right word, but working in sports now, and it's only been a few years for me, but... Working in sports and covering in sports, covering sports and being in this role, I've become less of a rabid fan. Like, even when I watch the Bears, I grew up a diehard Bears fan. I still am. Like, they lose. I'm not crying. It used to ruin my day if the Bears lost. Now, I mean, I'm a little used to it at this point. But, <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um, I don't know. It, it it changes your perspective, I think. To call 100 games, I can't be de- – you know, I go home at the end of the night. I don't want to be depressed every time they lose. Like, so, you know, I go home and I want to either be proud of the job I did or really fired up about improving the job I did. And if the team wins, I'm happy. And if the team lost, I'm like, all right, we'll, we'll win tomorrow. So I I just, I don't get high and low with the results. I, I, I kind of pride myself on being even keeled and I prioritize my job more than the result, which is one hundred percent out of my control,
0: exactly, and that that also lends you to not become an emotionally drained as that that color person or that play by play person, where it gets later on in the season and you're just completely drained emotionally. And you right, can- I mean, and I love this team, right? When when the dogs hit a home
3: run, you can probably hear in my call in my voice, I'm fired up. I give less juice to a Fargo home run call because I'm not fired up. That being said, we lost last night. I shed not a single tear. If we win tonight, I will not shed a tear of happiness. <laughs> if we win a championship, maybe. I might. <laughs> maybe. But, uh, no, it's an interesting question. And I, I think if I were the voice of the Bears, maybe a little higher and lower because of my
0: lifelong connection with the team. But... I'm. I don't think I'm gonna cry. I don't think I'm gonna cry. All right, that leads me to one of one of my what What is that that one pinnacle job that you've always stared down and went, if I got there, that'd be it.
3: It's moments more than moments. jobs because I would like to be one of those broadcasters who's kind of everywhere. Yeah, who you look at and you're like, oh my god, he's doing that, and then that. Oh, oh, right. So, I I don't want to be. Uh, A monogamous broadcaster, for lack of a better word. Although, that's a pretty good word. That's a pretty good description. It is. I'm monogamous in my relationship, but not in my job, maybe. (laughs) Um, So, for me, I'll give you three moments. Okay. Calling a Super Bowl, covering an Olympics, either in the Tarico Costas role or in a play-by-play role for a flagship sport, and a final four. Those are three moments. Uh, and, and I'll throw a World Series in there too. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I could probably list 7,000 more, but those are, for me, it's more about those moments where, you know, if I'm on air for a Super Bowl, I'm looking around saying, all right, Sam, I'm proud of you, right? Good job. <laughs> um, although it, I, I'm going to pin myself to one because you asked me for one, and it really is Olympics. I'm an Olympic nut. Uh, I, I Summer I, the, or winter? Anything really? Okay. I just okay. want to hear the music and then go welcome in, right? Oh yeah, yes. uh, that that's what it's all about for me. So so for me, if I had to pick one, it's the Olympics, baby. It well, doesn't get much bigger than
0: that. Brandon's about to get his with Pat fully retiring. <laughs> hey, I'm rooting That'd for you. Nice.
3: I've heard nice. your I've heard you spit <laughs> bars on hockey, so <laughs> I'm rooting for you.
1: I appreciate that. So so you don't really have necessarily a prefer- a preferred sport to call, or do you have? A, a favorite sport that you enjoy calling more than some of the others?
3: Whatever's on. The top three for me really are are in no particular order, baseball, basketball, football. Okay. Um, right now, it's baseball. But if you ask me on January 1st and I'm knee-deep in Chicago State hoops, I'm going to be like, screw baseball, I'm a basketball <laughs> guy, right? Um, so... It's those three, really. Uh, But, hey, I felt – the first sport I called at Northwestern before they let me on football and stuff was volleyball. I freaking love calling volleyball. I mean, talk about a sport with action constantly. You can't even breathe. I mean, that's an awesome sport to call. You and I did a soccer game the other night calling that PK game winner was like nirvana. So – I mean, I can't pin down on one sport. Yeah. I guess again, I'm going to force myself to, in the to respect the question. I'll say basketball. Okay, but it's really whatever's on.
1: All right. So, all right. You don't have a favorite sport. I can say for myself that there's one broadcaster that I really kind of look up to more than others, and that is Pat Hughes, the voice of the, the radio voice of the Chicago Cubs. Do you have someone that you try to? that you look up to as a broadcaster that you just love to listen to whenever they're on. It
3: evolves constantly. Right now it's Jason Benetti and I'm I'm blessed to have him actually in my life as a as a friend and mentor too and and to have him uh, coaching me in a way and and guiding me on a lot of things has really helped me in, in my broadcasting life but He's a joy to listen to, and as a White Sox fan, I get to do that all the time. You talk about focus, that dude is focused, and he has taught me things, both literally teaching me, but also just through me sitting down and watching a Sox game, about broadcasting that I didn't even think about. You'd be shocked at the amount of details running around that guy's mind that are now in a piecemeal way running around my mind. Um, so for me, it's him because I watch him with a critical eye and I kind of know the decision-making process behind what he's saying. Pat Hughes is another one. I mean, I grew up listening to him too. I've always admired Tarico as well on uh, first Monday Night Football and then all he's now doing with NBC. But I'll, I'll go Benetti as as the top of the top for me.
0: I heard somebody say the other day that uh, Benetti is the best Per- sports performer in the city of Chicago. Oh yeah, whether it's athlete, play by play, yeah, whatever. He is the most talented. He is like the
3: Mike Trout. If if Mike Trout and Shohei Otani, damn, they're on the same team. Yeah, <laughs> that team isn't even good. Uh, if isn't Mike, that sad? Yeah, <laughs>
1: healthy together. Right.
3: right. No, it's like a Mike Trout Shohei Ohtani combo like what he is in broadcasting he's wicked good and he's got a lot of room to still grow in the industry so i'm excited to see it and i'm
1: I'm glad it's starting here in chicago right absolutely yeah i okay so i know you've already given out some pieces of advice but for anyone that's trying to start a career or pursue a career in broadcasting what would you tell them
3: i would say do it as much as you can and constantly be asking yourself why you're doing it, what you can improve in doing it, and how much you want to continue doing it. Because those are the types of questions that, at least for me, guide me to work harder. I'm constantly thinking, you know, how how much can I dig deep in this? This is a grind. 100 games on the road, it is really not for everyone. So you have to constantly be thinking how badly do I want this and what am I willing to do to make it to the top? Because, uh, you know, you gotta, you gotta be ready to scratch and claw a little bit. Um, so my advice is to just do it. If the answer to that question is yes, do it as much as you possibly can. Don't be afraid to do what I do a lot still, which is pull out my laptop and call a game off of tape. Treat this like you're an athlete. When, Steph Curry finds a glitch in his three-point shooting motion. He locks himself in the freaking gym until it's done. I found last year that I was doing this weird growl on three-point calls. I mean, you guys know me. I think I'm an affable guy. It doesn't really vibe with me to growl. I'm not a growler, but I was going, good. Like, it was like this (laughs) weird thing. And I was listening to it, and I got comments from a couple – like, why are you growling? And it was hurting my voice and I couldn't get rid of it. It was like a slump, right? So I treated it like an athlete. I kind of locked myself in my room, and I opened up my laptop, and I pulled out like a 20-minute three-point shooting compilation, and I just called threes until I didn't growl. And then I went on air the next night, and there was maybe 10% growling, and then 5%, and then 2%. 2%. And now I don't think I've growled in a year because I treated it like an athlete would. So I would say don't be afraid to have that killer instinct, that killer mentality. It is a performance. Uh, but then, like the number one advice smile, 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 smile. I write it in my scorebook every night. This is so fun. And if you're not having fun doing it and if you can't naturally smile, then maybe it's not for you. Have fun. Like, this is s- sports. It's fun, and you can hear a smile. I'm smiling right now, and maybe you can hear it in my voice to the people listening. And sometimes if I'm just talking and talking and, you know, we're doing the game and I smile suddenly, I'm already more pleasant to listen to. And internally, I'm enjoying what I'm doing more. So work like a damn athlete. Ask yourself how bad you want it and smile a lot because people can hear a smile.
1: That's, that's great advice. That's great advice, advice. Yeah, great that's advice. Great advice yeah. definitely. Absolutely great advice. Well, thank you so much, Sam, for joining yeah. us today on Blow the Whistle. You've given some great advice and a great story so far that's going to continue for sure, for sure. And we can't wait to hear you call in the Olympics. Yes, thank
3: you, right. thank That's you. I just right. hope the other Sam brief doesn't beat me to the, butt. It's like the bullet. <laughs> you know that would be it. That'd be a, a darn shame for me to turn on. You know, dun, dun, they do the whole music, and then this other Sam brief is suddenly <laughs> in the chair I want to be in. But really, I, I appreciate you two having me on. Um, it's 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 been awesome to work with both of you. I get Dykstra's deets now every night as my Hyundai keys to the game. And Brandon, you and I have been together now in a. Director broadcaster relationship with you guiding me along, and uh, also in a analyst play by play. Yes, sort of relationship and I know we're going to have a few more soccer games together so it's been great to work with you both and and, and the whole IMS crew so really thanks, thanks for having me
1: thank, thank you. you and everyone out there listening again be sure to check out the Mental Game Podcast yes. with Sam Brief you said it's available on Spotify and Apple. Apple so Spotify and Apple Podcast be sure to check out the Mental Game Podcast while you're also checking out Blow the Whistle which is also available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts So the one-stop shop, find them both. And where where else can they find you on social media, Sam? I am
3: at Sam Brief on everything. B-R-I-E-F, I I before E, except after C, on everything.
1: There you go. And there's no C's in his name. So I before E, yes. (laughs) Sam Brief, at Sam Brief. So that makes it easy. One-stop shop for that. One-stop shop for the podcast, along with Blow the Whistle. Thank you again so much, Sam, for joining us. Brandon, David, thank you. Appreciate you guys.
2: Just a quick thank you to Sam for being able to hop on an interview with Brandon and David. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to be there, but to get that on our Blow the Whistle show, true, truly amazing.
1: Thank you again, Sam. Thank you. It was a lot of fun and
0: absolute professional. A- absolutely enjoyed just it. An absolute hearing professional. That,
2: hearing that through, he sounded like absolute professional and just a great guy in general. Oh yeah, he's I've awesome. Got, I mean, obviously, we've all worked with him and met him before, so if anyone doesn't know. he. Sam's a great guy. He's, he's a character. <laughs> <laughs> to say the least. Yes. <laughs> well, the bats were flying in the Crosstown Classic between the Cubs and White Sox. Each, of, each game of the weekend had a player with multiple home runs. Find out who they were here on Blow the Whistle. But first, let's give it to David with a sports update.
0: It's the Goodwin and a fly ball out in the deep left. Hat back! It's gone, an opposite field two-run homer, Brian Goodwin, and it's three nothing. To right field, Hayward back. Eloy Jimenez continues to torture Cub pitching. Robert a drive, left field. Luis Robert does it one more time. Oh, you said the power was coming. In spades today, a dozen for the Sox.
2: Courtesy to NBC Sports Chicago on those great highlights. And yeah, you heard it. Luis, Robert, and Patrick Wisdom, both players in each of these games, scoring multiple home runs.
0: Monsieur Robert. That's right. Although,
1: (laughs) if if you want to give the Cubs a win... Their
2: guy did it twice.
0: Oh, Wisdom yeah, had, you need yeah, something, yeah. don't Wisdom you, over with, on that north side? Yes, we do. Hold on, <laughs> yes. hold on to whatever you can, boys. Yes, no. that's Let us have all you this. Wis-
1: Wisdom with two homer games Friday and Saturday, and then Robert, obviously, the two homers yesterday, along with who like just about everyone else Everybody on the White Sox. Everybody else on the
0: White Sox team hit <laughs> a home run yesterday. I mean,
2: insane, absolutely insane. But, yes, the White Sox take the series this weekend 2-1 to one against the Chicago Cubs. And a question I have to you, gentlemen. Um, I'm going to bring it off to you first, uh, David. Ooh, uh, I get to go first. during baseball. All right. <laughs> well, man, because this is a White Sox question. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. I see how it is. The White Sox have ha- have some tough matchups in the in the month of September. What should we expect from these series? Because if you look at their roster, obviously they got right ne- next. They have they got the Pittsburgh next. Yeah, that, that's that's. <laughs> That's that a, should be a sweep. That's a vacation. And then upcoming that, up, they got Cincinnati and San Francisco, Philly, Milwaukee. You're talking for the Cubs? Yeah, that's Cubs. Oh, Cubs. I'm sorry. I did have the White Sox up there. That's here. all
0: right. It's all good. Yeah, White Sox. Right? I know they go. play the Pirates. But I Royals. Like, that didn't look right.
2: <laughs> so Pittsburgh, Kansas City, Oakland, Boston, Angels.
0: I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say I'm going to look at that Oakland-Boston back-to-back. See how they do with those two teams. They played Oakland very, very strong when they were in Chicago. Let's see what they can do while they're in Oakland. Okay, and see what they can do. Uh, and then Boston. Boston, great starting pitching. It's going to be a pitcher's duel for both of those teams. I've I know people are probably going to get sick and tired of hearing this from me, but until Tony Larusa makes Keg. Craig Kimbrell, the closer and moves Hendricks to the setup guy. I'm not going to shut up.
2: I'm I just mean, not. I I'm just not.
0: I, I don't know. How many times does Tony Larusa have to hear that King Craig Kimbrell is uncomfortable doing anything but closing. He has a closers mentality. If the game is not on the line, a closer doesn't have that edge that he typically needs to have. When he's coming into the game, it's a mindset. It's a way of life. It's a drug for a closer. That's what they do to get their highs. They come in and close games. He's not getting that being in that setup role. And you had Liam Hendricks come out and say exactly what needed to be said from an all-star guy. I don't care what I have to do. All I want is a ring. I'll be the setup guy. Let this guy close for goodness sakes. Listen to your team, Larusa. You're not smarter than everybody else in baseball. You're not smarter than I'd say half the people in baseball. You're making a mistake here and it's going to come back and bite you in the patootie sooner rather than later.
1: Yeah. And as for the rest of their schedule, I'm not really worried about it. Kansas City plays them tough just being in the division. They always do, yeah. But Oakland's reeling right now. Boston's falling off a little bit. Oakland wouldn't even be in the playoffs if the season ended right
0: now. But and those are two legitimate playoff they, contending teams, are. which are, are the teams that they've struggled with this year. Yeah. So and I
1: Cincinnati's probably the most C- challenging one that C- they have C- at the end of the Hot. season. Hot. As they've been yeah on fire lately, and they are in the playoffs if it ended right now.
0: Oh, Joey Votto going to get to play some playoffs. Eh? Yeah, <laughs> All it, right. It looks go, like it. Go Votto.
2: And just since we're running out of time here, let's move on to the Cubs real quick. Patrick Wisdom Trash. No, <laughs> I'm
0: joking. Except Wisdom, except, <laughs> except, except well, wisdom. Ortega, and, got and yeah, they got. Yeah, they've got some solid. They have some solid promise going into next year, and your number one above everything else. Most happy note is Patrick Wisdom, Rookie of the yeah. Year question mark?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, so if I'm. So if you are a Cubs fan that has not yet tuned them out totally, because I know some have, and I don't blame you if you did. If you just decided, all right, trade deadline happened, I'll see you guys next year, I can't blame you for that. It may have gone through my mind briefly. But, yeah, I, the things there are things to watch. is hot, but obviously the biggest thing to watch for the Cubs right now is Patrick Wisdom. Will he get the rookie of the year? Right now, he's probably not the favorite. That'd be India with the Reds just because of the climb that they've had. They're in a playoff spot, and he's been great all year. But Wisdom, 25 home runs. That's tied with Billy Williams for second in franchise history. Bryant is in first with only 26. So,
0: How apropos I, would it be that he, he breaks, <laughs> breaks Bryant's, Bryant's record. record after Bryant would, leaves the team? Well,
2: you know what's going to happen is it's going to be exactly when Bryant came on to the, the Cubs. The whole fan base got swarmed with Bryant jerseys. Now it's gonna be wisdom jerseys. I'd go
0: out and buy a wisdom jersey That's right now. It's my next jersey I'm gonna get. Yeah. I, I he's a legitimate contender for sure. For sure. And and it's gonna be exciting. That it gives it gives the Cubs fans something to look forward to and something to watch and see how this ends and see if he can get that rookie of the year. Absolutely. Well, boys, what a show it has been today.
2: Ooh. And unfortunately, it has to come to an end. But we want to thank all of our listeners, all of our news listeners on the Under the Hood podcast. Thank you guys for bringing us in and giving us a try. Again, you will not be disappointed. But, and to everyone that did not get a chance to listen, you remember, you should know that all of our shows are recorded on our Spotify, Anchor, iHeartRadio. Keep going. Google Podcasts, Keep Apple going. Podcasts, soon-to-be QuadPod. That's right.
0: Yeah, so we're, we're growing and growing, and we're, we just want make, you guys to come along for the ride. This Blow the Whistle
2: crew is making moves, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> 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 moves. Got big moves. Moves. So, again, thank you for everyone, and as always, I'm Tyler Buterbaugh. I'm Brandon Janoska. I'm David Dykstra. Have a wonderful, safe, and positive week.